Welcome back to the Eater Upsell, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. My co-host, Amanda Clute, is back. She hi, is, Dan. Uh, hi. She's the editor-in-chief of Eater. I am, my name is Daniel Janine. I'm an associate producer. Today, we are doing a holiday special episode where we tell you what to eat, what to drink. Yeah, what to eat, what to drink this holiday season. A quick reminder before we get into it that one of the, the lifeblood of the show is the ratings, subscriptions, reviews, and uh, general good discussion. Yep, good vibes. Good Send vibes. us all your good vibes, please, including likes and reviews. Cool. So our first segment on this very special holiday special is a drink segment. Um, Amanda, why is it always hard to write about drinks? Why don't Why don't drinks do well? Man, no one print? wants to read. No one wants to read about drinks. Well, hopefully, more it's people so, want to hear about drinks. It's so boring. I yeah. think to read about. It's great to taste. Mm-hmm. Maybe great to hear about what drinks taste like and what is cool about drinks. But like, no one wants to read about it. No offense to great but people want to publications buy that do do a good job. We just haven't been able to. People do want to buy drinks because people want yes. to bring drinks to parties. And people want to buy cool drinks. Right. So I thought that'd be great to bring a friend of mine on, a woman named Tamily Teclamarium, who is a former Eater contributor and works at Astor Wines and Spirits, which is the coolest liquor store in New York City. Yep, correct. She deals with a lot of people who come in and say, hey, Tammy, or probably people who don't know her, hey there. Hey, lady. What can I buy to make me cool at the party I'm going to go to? Yeah, I want to impress my friends Uh and anger my rivals. So we're going to find out what to bring and what not to bring this holiday season. We want to know what are the drinks you should bring as a great hostess, host gift to your holiday party. It depends on how big the party is, because if you bring a bottle of wine, like it's a lot easier to sort of hide a so-so bottle of wine at a party because, you know, there are only going to be five glasses in there. So if it's a big party, like that can't serve that many people, which is why a lot of people don't like to bring a nice wine to a party unless they're bringing a lot of it. So if you're going to a big party, be strategic. Bring the, bring, shitty, bring, bring the shittiest wine right. that you have. Bring the shittiest wine or if you, if you want to get noticed, you know, bring something either bring enough or bring something that can be shared a lot better. So if you do like wine, a good way to sort of have that is uh, bring a bottle of vermouth because people can sort of do like vermouth with cocktails. A nice vermouth um, can be pretty distinctive. And uh, there are a lot of wineries that are sort of doing their own vermouth with like local ingredients. I know like Matthiasen does one that's really cool. They're from they're in Napa, and they do one with like all this fruit that they grow on their estate. But even like we're getting a lot of vermouths from Spain that are really flavorful. There's a huge variety, and so you could really just introduce people to something new that sort of works for cocktails and can be drunk by itself, or like vermouth and soda. Um, and it's a great low alcohol thing to drink at a party too. Great, great, great. Okay, number two. I, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about spritzes so much. Uh, and like it's like a thing that spritzes are back with the nostalgia wave. Well, just with like the low alcohol th- thing, and maybe it's also very New York. But the way that people drink has sort of changed a lot with the introduction of aperitivo culture. You know, before is sort of kind of this crass way to pregame. You know, happy hours and stuff, and you just didn't see as many options. But now, like everybody buys aperol. I mean, I think maybe aperol is definitely aperol is definitely transcendent to basic. Yeah, don't bring Aperol. So bring the cool new Aperol. Okay. Yeah. Bring some like indie hip, brand. Indie so is there vermouth. a cool one that you suggest? A cool Aperol? Yeah, there's a really good brand that's actually based in Clinton Hill called Fort Have, and they make an aperitivo. So I guess theirs is like, it's called red. It's the color red. So it's like kind of like uh, a little bit more of 
Campari vibe, mm-hmm. but it's actually, I believe it's a wine base, and uh, it's really pleasant to drink. It would make a great gift. So what do you bring with it? Do you just bring the bottle? Is that enough? You have to know whether or not you're going to a place that's going to have seltzer. Yeah. Call ahead. BYO. <laughs> Be like, please stock <laughs> seltzer for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing some really I'm great. Cool rem- I'm trying yeah. to do something here. I guess if you have like an opinion on sparkling mineral water, I know Dan. All right, all right. I know yeah. Dan's going to come with the bottle of sparkling too. Dan is yeah. going to bring San Pellegrino. Is, does I that would, work? I would, uh, as a hostess, if somebody's asking if they can bring something, I request Perrier uh, okay. if they could be so kind. Wow, wow, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, not everybody has opinion on a bubble bubble structure. Or you could bring Prosecco, of course. You don't have to. That's the nice thing about bringing vermouth. Vermouth and soda is is very good. And so you don't need to sort of, like, bring more and more. And also, like, you're not trying to roll up to a party with, like, four different bottles because that's a thing to manage, too. Yeah, who does that? You're trying to restock the bar. <laughs> I've, you know, I've done that in the summertime when I'm like, I brought oh, okay. all the makings for spritzes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not different drinks. Like no, yeah. no. Okay. Like here's yeah. the prosecco. Here's the aperol. Right. Here's the whatever. Yeah, I did that at somebody's party over the summer. I did. I had a magnum of prosecco and then some kind of spritzer mixy thing, and uh, it made me really popular. That's just polite. <laughs> you know, it's just polite. What yeah, about it's okay? Super what's fun. what's number two? Number that's number two. That's number three. We got number three. Oh, vermouth and then. And then an Aperol thing. Aperol was number two. Yeah. Okay. Is okay. that what you're that's 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 right, right? I think so. Okay, okay. cool. Cool. Not Aperol, but a cooler but thing. This cooler right. Aperol. A cooler version of Aperol. 2017 Aperol. Great. Mm-hmm. Aperol with a with a hand drawn label. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number three? Is number thing. three. Is it sake? Is number three sake? <laughs> <laughs> I do love sake. Uh I, I know that it can be divisive. Then again, I'm not sure. It seems like a lot of people are fine with drinking it or they're used to drinking it in sushi context, but then sort of never remember it anywhere else. I think sake is a really good thing to drink if there's going to be food. I think that it just pairs with a really a lot of things really nicely in a way that you don't have to think about too much. But then it's also a little bit more special or unusual because people are like, oh, it's sake. The problem is that sake is kind of expensive. There's a big division where there's like the stuff that's sort of shelf stable and cheap and it's kind of what the people who brew sake drink. And then there's the stuff that's really special and carefully made. And that's kind of starts at $20. You've kind of got a good like $20 to $50 sweet spot. And that's definitely the kind of thing that you would bring to a maybe more intimate setting. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know you're going to get some and people are going to get to try it and you can talk yeah. about it. But, like, it's really fun to bring, like, a, a big paper carton of sake. Uh, you know, they have, like, 1.8-liter cartons and 3-liter uh, cartons. And uh, it's it's just, like, That's you a know. cool brand brand play. I could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's like, the guy that always brings those cartons of sake. <laughs> <laughs> or even, um, I think there are, like, magnums to, like, 1.8-liter bottles that are really fun and, you know. What are the some markers a person should look for when they're in a shop looking at sake bottles? So definitely good sake is refrigerated for long-term storage. Like, that is a huge thing. You want to see it being refrigerated. Then, so you start talking about premium sake. That's what the classification is. And then we have, like, a bunch of categories within premium. So basically, one of the big things you talk about is how much the rice has been polished. So that's Junmai, Ginjo, and Daiginjo. And the more that you get it polished, so that's the, the most polished is Daiginjo, and that's just going down to the center of the rice, and it's just pure sugar. And so it makes for, like, a really pretty, delicate sake. And people think that just because there exists a highest tier, that that is, like, the thing that they should be trying to get. But um, Highest tier of what? Of sake. Oh. Like, like where the most polished. So it yeah. doesn't necessarily the, mean the, the one polished, you're going to like the most. It's right. the most expensive, and it's, like, the most precious. But uh, it's, like, the one that people talk about the most. But, you know, it's, it's not always the right one. I think that, you know, there's plenty of great 
sock experiences to be had at the Jinmai level. And in fact, like, so Jinmai is like polished down to like 70%. Mm. The lowest level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the lowest level of the premium sockets. And uh, that's a great one to have like with a lot of meat dishes. It's one that you can warm slightly. I recently had slightly warm sake and like grilled beef, and that was a great combination. But chilled, it's also the perfect pairing for fried chicken. Oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about that sake and fried chicken. It's a big thing. Have you all heard a lot of it from me? I think maybe it's from me. <laughs> and you. it maybe is a Kai. Is it a thing? Or is uh, that your thing? <clears throat> I mean, she started it. It's a new thing. It's a thing in my head. Everybody get on I've, board. I've, <laughs> yeah, sake and fried chicken. Um, Forget champagne. Oh, champagne and fried chicken. Champagne and fried chicken is the trendy thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. sake and fried chicken, new thing. Uh, Great. Okay, so three <laughs> things that are basic that you shouldn't bring. So it's a little obvious, but uh, I really am not a fan of Veuve Clicquot. Or really, most of the champagnes that come in boxes. So your Moets. You're a There's always one bro who brings Vuvico <laughs> onto some girl's party bus, and they like <laughs> spend some money that time just really trying to be that guy. And you're you like, oh, you brought <laughs> <laughs> How I've many never... party buses are you on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, so... There's always that guy with the vub on the party bus. <laughs> the party uh. I think people really have a, a, an obsession with having the cardboard box. Like, they're really, huge. really well, concerned with it. I've, I've fallen into this trap before, like, going to a party, and you're like, I need something that looks like a gift, mm-hmm. and the store only has champagne in boxes. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So I just get the, like... The champagne whatever. in the box. Whatever. What's the Jouet Perrier? Perrier Jouet. Yeah. yeah. Is that one better? Uh, I mean... I think mm, I think Perrier no. Jouet has really big bubbles, so I'm not a fan. But so, what's so wrong? Is Vuvka Code like truly terrible? It's not terrible, but it's um, it's expensive. I mean, yeah. it's it's forty five dollars, I guess, or like let's say it's an average of forty five dollars. And a lot of other champagnes are at that price or less. A lot of grower champagnes. Um, I mean, Vuvka Code is just a huge brand. Uh, you just could get so much better for that money. Okay, you could. I mean, I think you know if like, I don't think the party bus is going to go as as wild. <laughs> For a for a grower, yeah. So. I mean, maybe I, in 2017 <laughs> they will. That's well. That's the goal here. Depends on your friends on the party bus. Right, like, what right. are you doing on this bus with these yeah, people? Yeah, maybe who don't you respect sh- it should be your bus. Quiet champagne tasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you should have a party bus with standards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Party bus. Only, party bus where we follow the rules. Yeah, okay. where we love grower champagne. So get a better bottle of champagne. You might have to go to a better wine shop for options, and then people who can actually help you get a bottle of champagne that you like or might like. I mean, the other thing is a lot of people don't know what they like, and it's okay to get something that isn't champagne. All right, number two thing not to bring. Don't bring cheap red wine. If you have to bring an inexpensive bottle, definitely go with white just because it's easier to drink. I think a lot of people think that red wine portrays uh, some kind of elegance, which it does uh, when it's nice, but as far as what's going to make you feel bad, I think it's universally acknowledged that it's red wine when you mix it with everything else. Is there a red wine under 15, like a grape, that you should go for? Like, if you're going to go for it, do a Beaujolais, or I don't know what your advice would be. Um, I think that the best red wines for copious consumption are definitely the lighter-bodied ones, um, so your Pinot Noirs, your Beaujolais, your, like your Gamays, but definitely something from Europe is going to be more affordable with those grapes than something from California. The bar is pretty high for what grapes cost in California. So a California Pinot that you get for $13 is going to be pretty fruity and usually pretty sweet. And whereas like if you can find a cheap French Pinot or even just like yeah, a, a, the least expensive Beaujolais will probably be like drier and um, just a little bit more palatable. Cool. 
I mean, I will never bring a cheap bottle of red one again. I mean, Dan, of course not. You're only bringing sake, and we know it. Yeah. Sake box guy. <laughs> sake and chicken nuggets. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for dropping by. Thanks to Tammy. the party bus. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> to the party bus. I'm so excited for Dan to go on his party bus and bring a carton of sake. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle of grower champagne. <laughs> <laughs> to the bafflement of all of his in a, in a bros. bros. In an am- repurposed Amazon box. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Happy holidays. Our second segment is with Eater's senior editor, Daniela Galarza, uh, who is going to tell us about three cooking hacks she has for people who don't want to spend any time or effort in the kitchen but want to do something that is going to be a showstopper and one that people are going to talk about and and heap praise on. I hope she talks about cheese balls. That's all I'm saying. She's not talking about cheese balls. Damn it. Yeah, what's your deal with her cheese balls? I don't know. I just I Has just, she made cheese balls for you before? No, I, our coworker Sonia is very into cheese balls and it makes me want to go make my own cheese balls. Yeah. And I feel like it could be the dish of the holiday season 2017. It could be. When I when <laughs> I asked Daniela if she was going to do her cheese ball recipe, she said, what cheese ball recipe? <laughs> and I said, Amanda always talks about your cheese balls. It's a Sonia thing. It's not. I, got so it. I was, I was misinformed. You brought a lot of books in here, so I'm worried <laughs> that this is not going to be a rapid fire thing. <laughs> But we're, uh, we're, we're trying to get your top three food, uh, holiday food hacks for someone to be very impressive and not spend that much time or n- not necessarily have that much kitchen skill. Most bang for your buck. Most bang for your buck. I have several hacks, but they fall into three categories. Okay. The first is stunt meat. Stunt meat. The second is fire. Okay, fire. And the third... <laughs> And the third is large format desserts. Oh, and wow. when you asked me this question initially, I was sort of stumbling because I'm the kind of person that puts in as much effort as possible and mm-hmm. doesn't look for these quick shortcuts. But I, I want to be that person. Chef. I yes, I used to and I used to work as a pastry chef, and so I am familiar with all of that world. But I recognize that most people don't have a lot of time and don't want to spend a whole lot of time in the kitchen, but they want they want to make something that looks impressive. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe one of the family members will put it on the gram. <laughs> My mom will definitely do that. <laughs> so in reading the books that, that came out this year, I think one of the things that stood out to me was the concept called Stunt Meat, and that comes from uh, this book called Brunch is Hell, which is written by Rico Galliano and Brendan Francis Noonan. They are... The dinner Party Download guys. Yes, exactly. They wrote this really cool book that is meant to demystify the dinner party and encourage people to not go out to brunch, but instead host people at their homes. Mm-hmm. And the centerpiece of a successful dinner party, they think, is stunt meat. Stunt meat is meat that looks impressive, but doesn't actually take a lot of time. Whoa. So the opposite of turkey. This is the perfect hack. <laughs> yes. Um, they're, yeah, and they, they, they say it's, it, it's meat that should look like it, appear, it would appear in a cartoon dinner party. Oh, wow. So something really massive, something Big you'd see bones. on the Flintstones. Yes. So first idea, ham. Buy a spiral cut ham, stick it in the oven for half an hour or as long as the package directions tell you. Mm-hmm. Make some kind of glaze with orange marmalade or maple syrup or Coca-Cola. Put it on, serve it with some biscuits, house made or Pillsbury, whatever you want. 
and you have a dinner party. That's a real hack, though. That's yes. like big giant meat in 40 minutes. Yes. Big okay. giant meat, dinner party in 40 minutes. Big giant ham not overdone. Is it not? Would people be excited by big giant ham still? I think similar to cheese balls, big giant ham is back in fashion. Okay. There's nothing wrong with big giant ham. We just got tired. Maybe people got tired of big giant ham with pineapple rings and cherries on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that that's still good. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So by sheer size alone. Size and ease. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so that's 40 minutes. All right. Similarly, for stunt meat, and this is easy to remember because it rhymes with ham, mm-hmm. it's lamb. Ooh. <laughs> so, you see lamb? Yeah. Uh, Galliano and Francis Noonan uh, <laughs> actually suggest lamb. And when I was reading the book, it reminded me of Missy Robbins' recipe for her lamb shank or leg of lamb that's in her cookbook that's also new out this year. She calls it spit-roasted or, quote, spit-roasted, unquote, leg of lamb. And that is because you just stick this leg of lamb that you have dumped a bunch of olive oil and mm-hmm. herbs on in the oven for uh, an hour or so. So the quotes are there because there's no spit. Nope, no spit, just your oven. But it sounds cool. Yeah. It sounds super impressive. You can just... you, as a, as a journalist, can you, t- can you walk out with a spit-roasted ham and say this was a spit-roasted ham, even if... I would do it and I would do air quotes, and then if people didn't see my air quotes, that's <laughs> okay, their problem. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is a real hack. <laughs> murky territory here. Wait for somebody to call you out and then explain. So big bone on this one, too? Yes. Absolutely big bone. Needs to look like a Flintstones piece of lamb. Also delicious. You could throw some mm-hmm. potatoes in that roasting pan, pull out the whole pan at once... Dinner is done. And it's a pretty forgiving meat, too, because if you overcook it or you – well, you're not going to undercook it, but you can go longer and it's not going to dry up that fast. Yeah. And and actually, um, you know, you don't need to cook it that long because ha- lamb is really great when it's a little bit medium rare, too. Okay. So it's just about getting it to that tender point. Um her recipe suggests just, you know, at some point you stick a knife into it and as soon as it starts falling off the bone, you know you're done. Wow. Very okay. easy. We will return in just one second. Are you in need of great talent for your business but short on time? You don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then, ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying quality candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. The foie gras of matches, the white truffle of matches, the beluga caviar of matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. One more time, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. All right, fire time? It's time for fire, which is related to me, but... Um, I want to talk about fire in terms of dessert, actually, because dessert is my favorite thing. I think more people should be flambéing, particularly. uh, People are scared. People are scared. Don't be scared. Don't use too much alcohol. Keep the alcohol away from the actual flame. I suggest something inspired by Alison Roman's Dining In new cookbook. She has a 
dessert that is figs with uh, some sauce. And you could definitely set that on fire. You don't have to, <laughs> but you could set that on fire at the table by sauteing the figs in your kitchen, pulling it off the heat, mm-hmm. bringing it to the table, not from the bottle. You've got to have your bottle of alcohol, whether that's rum or Armagnac or whiskey, any kind of any kind of nice dark booze. Have it in a separate glass like a or glass? container. A little, yeah, shot glass, just like a separate glass. Do not <laughs> have the bottle next to the fire. That's where you run into trouble. And then you have a lighter next to you. All you got to do is pour the, the alcohol the, in. The grill lighters, right? You want yeah, a nice you long want neck. One, yeah, you want a long neck. You want something with a little button on it so you don't have to think too much about it. Okay. Um, pour the alcohol in while the figs are hot, while the, the fruit is hot. Set it on fire. Uh, make sure no one has their head over the pan. And uh, shake it a little bit. The fire will go out in a few seconds. Cool. And everybody will be delighted. For a standard saute pan sized, in, in terms of shots, how much booze are we are we dumping in here? Between half a shot and one. Okay, cool. No more than that. So all you need is a shot glass, a lighter, and some booze. Yep. And now large format desserts? Yes, large format desserts. Um, Where's the hack here? I mean, okay, so large format desserts can go a number of different ways. You could go what I would call easy, which is a sheet cake, mm-hmm. and then frost it with some kind of frosting and top it with any kind of candy. So if you make a chocolate sheet cake and you have chocolate frosting, you could crunch up some candy canes top, you know, and top it with candy canes, and you've got this chocolate peppermint sheet cake. Um, have everyone serve themselves. Something easier than that is just taking your favorite cookie dough and baking it in a cast iron pan. Wow. Bake it so you've got this big, what do they call those at, at like Friendly's or TGI Friday's? They have like a name for these like a enormous pan cookies. Cookie? Yeah, the personal pan cookies. I don't think that's it. Uh, yeah, there's like a funny name for them. So take it to the table while it's still warm, mm-hmm. not not too hot, but still warm, and then take some ice cream with you on the table and scoop a bunch of ice cream on top wow. while it's still warm, and then give it'll everyone spoons. Bit. Yeah, it'll melt a li- little bit, give everyone spoons, and they can eat it right out of the pan. They All together? Yeah. Bring the family together? Bring the family together. Make sure no one's sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People with colds have to... Get their own <laughs> yeah. mini cast iron? Yes. <laughs> So the draw here is that it's a, it's a whole big production. It looks like a big production, but right. you're not sitting there scooping one cookie after another. Mm-hmm. It's going into the same pan. You're saving yourself time. Saving yourself time, and because it's bigger, it looks impressive. And I, cast iron is impressive. Cast iron is impressive. Cast iron is... Um, cast iron is, like, back to becoming impressive. I guess, yeah. It's similar to, right, what, the other things we've talked about, which is baked Alaska and ham with uh-huh. those pineapple rings. Like, these things went out of style for some reason, and now they're back, and I'm glad they're back. Cool. As a last note, anything you anything you don't want to see on the holiday table this year? <laughs> Me, personally? Yeah. Oh What's out? I mean, what's still out from that era is, like... <laughs> Those molded Jello pudding salads. Oh yes. I don't know where those came from. With the Mad Men kind of floral Jello. Right. It was just pretty and colorful, and it seemed like something almost technologically advanced. Yeah. You wait. You're going to be into those in three years. <laughs> you're going to be so back. <laughs> just like what? Am I going to be back into bell bottoms? <laughs> <laughs> bell bottoms are back, aren't are they? they? Yeah, I don't I think know. So I think they had a moment. <laughs> Free. Anyway, Daniela, thank you so much. Sure. So that is almost it for Eater's Holiday Special. Uh, we, I had one last question for you. Sure. Do you have any hot gift ideas, food gifts that 
I do. You do. I have two favorite food gifts. Yeah, uh, I know, kind of. I shared them with you earlier, and you made fun of me, so I well, don't know if I do want to share again. them with the audience. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> so one of my favorite food gifts to send to people, this is not to bring, this is to send, <laughs> is a bag of Island Creek oysters. I think it's delightful to have a big bag of oysters show up on your doorstep. Yeah. And if you're the right kind of person, I'm from New England, so mm-hmm. it's not that weird to have an oyster knife in your house and to love having people over for a little raw bar action. So I yeah, understand now after your initial feedback that that is a pretentious gift, but still one I will continue to send. It's funny, though. In New England, if you're in Oyster Oyster County or <laughs> in an oyster sure. area— a bag of oysters in one of those, you know, the meshy net bags yeah. is not pretentious. I just imagine it in Brooklyn with a fancy tag. <laughs> I mean, better than Dean and DeLuca, but I just imagine I still it. bet that, like, your Brooklyn friends, if you have any, yeah. I know you're a Manhattan guy, would appreciate it. They'd be like, wow. I have one cool... friend that it would appreciate it. I have See, cons- there you go. Everyone has their one friend who would yeah. be like, wow, what a cool thing to bring to my party. With a shucker, though. If you bring, I don't know anyone with a shucker. If you bring a knife, yeah. Maybe you also, if you're going to do this at a party, you should bring the bag and the knife and know how to. Can you shuck an oyster? I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the top, it's one of the best ways to get injured in the kitchen is shucking (laughs) oysters. Yeah. I mean, you should uh, take precautions. Maybe even wear a glove. Yeah. But just also watch some some YouTube videos on how to do it properly. Right. Why don't you throw in a subscription to YouTube in your bag there? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, And then gift number two, which I stole from Brian Lamb, who is the founder of The Wirecutter, is uh, sending a pineapple to someone. Just a regular old pineapple that you'd pick up at the grocery store? (laughs) No, no. That would not be pretentious. That would be just weird. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, here's a pineapple. This is from Maui Gold. That's kind of a serial killer thing, actually. (laughs) Straight from Hawaii. They send you a box of two or four, I think, or more pineapples. Mm-hmm. They're perfectly ripe. They're they fly. incredible. Fly them in. They fly them in. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a delightful, surprising gift to Are receive. Are they raw? I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah that. of course. They're it's raw just, pineapples? Yeah. They're ripe. They're super ripe. Yeah. Perfectly ripe. It's just a pineapple? Uh-huh. In a box or what? In a box. How do they wrap them up? It's just like in a nice box. Two pineapples. Two pineapples in a box. Mm-hmm. What is good about them? They're the most perfect pineapples you've ever had. You've never had a pineapple so it's until you had pineapples. one are they, shipped are, directly from Hawaii. Yeah. It's like 50 bucks. It's 50 bucks yeah. or two bucks. So <laughs> about $25 a pineapple. Yes. <laughs> no, but that, that one's less pretentious, I guess. Really? No. <laughs> Fair. All right, Dan, what are your holiday gifts? Well, I don't know. My holiday gift is uh, is sitting here and listening. Yeah, just bah humbug from Let me Dan Janine. Mm-hmm. What are some good holiday gifts I've given? I will say the last holiday party I went to, I brought three white truffles. See? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Thus concludes our gifting portion of Eater Up Doll. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you like the episode, please uh, sign, uh, subscribe, subscribe to it and, and rate it and pass it along. Um, we will be back next week with another wonderful episode. Uh, a little more newsy. And until then, happy happy Christmas planning. Happy Christmas planning. Yeah. Happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Pay off your credit card bills so you can afford two $50, $25 pineapples. Mm-hmm. And we'll catch you next week. And donate to your favorite charity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have any, uh, real quick, do you have any favorite food charities? I do. Uh, Hot Bread Kitchen is my favorite food charity. Is that New York based? It is New York based. Cool. Uh, what else? Cookies for Kids Cancer is at top of mind right now because it's cookie day at the Eater office. 
uh, ROC Action, I think is the name of the ROC's charity. Oh no, there's a bunch. Cool. But we'll Hot Bread Kitchen though. We'll put some one. links in the in the podcast post. in the description. Great. Great. Thanks all. Theater Upsell is hosted by me, Daniel Janine, and my co-host, Amanda Clute, our editor-in-chief. Our studio team is Paige Bethman, Miles Yule, Carrie Clements, Alex Allreich, and Pedro Alvira. Our executive producer is Maureen Giannone Fitzgerald. And that is all we've got. See you next week.